0: This is the Gutsy Health Podcast with Janique and Tristan Roney. Hey, you guys, welcome back to the Gutsy Health Podcast. We have Gina with us. Gina, say hi. (laughs) Hey, everybody. So I don't know if you guys remember Gina Warfel. She did a podcast with us back in December called Heart Space Healing. But while Tristan is missing in action, he's he doesn't really have a voice right now, you guys. And we'll do a little bit of an update. But while he is recovering and healing, uh, Gina is going to be my co-host. So welcome, Gina.
1: Yeah. Thanks. We'll have a good time. And um, how is Tristan
0: doing? He's, you know, he's doing really great. Our last update that we did was back in December and it was me and Tristan recording. And what was interesting, he was doing so good. And the next day, everything fell to pieces. I'm not even kidding. Like hmm. his headaches went from like a three to a 10 and we were just trying to catch pain, like catch up in pain over and over and over. And it led to two weeks of honestly utter hell he was just in so much pain, started throwing up, dizzy. And we're like, you need an MRI. And so we got an MRI, we found three really big tumors in his brain. And that's why he was throwing up. And that's why he was dizzy and had the headaches. And so the whole of January was just mourning and like mourning, you know, like death, because I Mm. think honestly, mourning death is one of the most liberating experiences you can actually go through. It's one of the hardest, but once mm-hmm. you get it out of the way and you become friends with death, every day is a gift.
1: Does that make sense? Wow. You know, Yeah, it, it does make sense, but I also can't imagine what it's like to be in your interest in shoes. I mean, both of you are just like, no matter what is getting thrown at your way, you're just like, we're still here <laughs> and we're still loving people and we're still loving our lives and we're still showing up and you know, we're still connecting with everybody. Like it's, it is truly
0: unbelievable. It's It's been really hard. I, You know, everyone is probably thinking 2020 was like the worst year of their lives. I'm like, 2021 is potentially the worst year of my life. And we're just barely in February. But, you know, <laughs> there's just, there's oh so gosh. many lessons and it's been really great. So we both unpacked death. And what's really beautiful is he is still fighting so hard and he's actually doing amazing. Yeah. But we were mm-hmm. able to have conversations that were so healing and like, we said goodbyes in the most beautiful way, even though we're not saying goodbye. Like we had so much closure. It it was really beautiful. And then, you know, anyways, he started radiation and that was a really rough week on him and his pain levels. And then right after radiation, we found out that one of the tumors is just too big and it was blocking a ventricle in his brain. And so we were getting like this backflow of pressure that would eventually lead to his death. So we had a doctor refer us to Dr. Reichman. He's like a very well-known neurosurgeon and it's amazing that Tristan had this is this is kind of a miracle gene. It's amazing. But Tristan had surgery on his I mean his last radiation treatment on a Friday. Dr. Reichman calls me Saturday the next day. He says, "I'm squeezing you in on Monday." So he squeezed us in on Monday. Wow. And then yeah, and then Tristan had surgery on Tuesday. It was insane. Wow. Yeah.
1: Oh, were you both feeling nervous about that? I can't imagine, like, okay, I'm going in for surgery on my brain. You know, honestly, it the pain and
0: the suffering was so bad. We're we're kind of at a point where we're like, it can't get worse. <laughs> you know, like, right. Like anything is uphill from here. So yeah, nervous for brain surgery, but like he since brain surgery, he is recovering so Beautifully, like he was only in the hospital for five days. We thought he'd have to do physical therapy for like a week and a half. He doesn't have to do that. They sent him home on so he had surgery on Tuesday. They sent him home Friday. He's up and about, he's walking. I mean, he was dizzy for wow. a month. He's walking around. He's doing great. like he's helping us with business stuff in the wow. in the back. I know, isn't it wild?
1: How can you say I get like, you know, one short night of sleep and I can't think I'm like, oh, my brain is so foggy. I can't think like he has brain surgery. He's texting me the next day. I'm like, Hey, we've got some great business ideas. I'm like, what? I know. And and like, and often
0: there'll be texts at like three in the morning or something. I'm like, what are you doing awake? But, you know, he's actually, he's doing great. And the bright side of this is he doesn't remember most of January. And that's kind of a blessing in disguise because because of all the radiation and the swelling and the inflammation and the pressure, like it obviously caused some damage. And so his short term is not the best right now. And And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with him not remembering January because it was really heavy and it was really brutal and he was just in so much pain and now Mm. next steps are he's meeting with a hematology oncologist tomorrow and we're going to pursue an antibody therapy while he does his enzyme therapy again and all his whole routine and we're just
1: kind of Getting back to life again. So that is great. Is the enzyme therapy, something that your doctors put him on or something you are going about the two of you? So the enzyme therapy
0: is something that a naturopath is guiding us with right now. And so her name is Pamela McDougal. She's fantastic. And yeah, I adore her. She's so brilliant. And you know, the enzymes were when he was doing them back in November, December, he was breathing so great. He was doing so well, but One thing that we learned for everyone that's like, hey, we're supposed to be talking about root beer floats and sugar, like why are we doing this? Um, We're getting there soon, you guys. We're talking about root beer floats and triggers around sugar and, and ingredients lists. But Tristan was doing so good back in December with his enzyme therapy and he was breathing better and he was coughing less, but it's really hard for enzymes or any kind of therapy to cross the blood brain barrier. And so we might've been seeing progress in his lungs, but there was none in the brain. So we're okay with the radiation and the fact that there were only three and not like 20, like it's great. Mm -hmm. We consider ourselves very lucky and blessed. And so there's still one dead tumor hanging out in his brain, but we're not going to do anything about it right now. So
1: Mm -hmm. there you go. (laughs) Wow. Well, thanks for, I really appreciate that you both are willing to share. So such an intimate part of his life and it's really been like a gift just to hear from both of you about your experience and and the appreciation that you have for this journey. Thank you.
0: It's, it's been long, but like the lessons along the way have been, you know, life-changing. And I know it's lately I haven't on my platforms been super sciencey and talking about research. It's mostly been about life lessons that come to us, but I feel like that's part of a healing journey. You know, if we are not, leaning into the emotional healing of a healing journey, we, we might be doing it wrong, you know? So right, that's why I asked you to co-host with me because you are all about mindset and all that jazz. So thank you.
1: <laughs> yeah. So I'm sure that we can weave in today around sugar and the root beer float, a yes. little bit of some science and some of the mindset around it too. Yes. Yes. So, so you guys,
0: If you don't follow me on Instagram, I need to tell you a story because I think I triggered my entire platform. And for that, I apologize (laughs) because with Tristan being on steroids, it makes him ravenous and ravenous for the worst things ever ever. Root beer floats, pizzas, like you name the worst thing. And he wanted it. So
1: at uh, least he's eating. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> exactly. That's
0: great. He's eating so much. And that steroid <laughs> is just great. kicking his butt. Holy cow. But hopefully he'll be off of it in a month. But There was one day where he was just craving root beer floats. So his dad went out and bought him some enlightened ice cream, which is like a keto ice cream. It has low sugar, but a whole bunch of other ingredients like fibers and gums and all that jazz. And, and then we got the Zevia root beers. I think they were like ginger root beers and they taste really good, but they're sweetened with Zevia. So I showed everyone online. I'm like, Hey, this is how I made Tristan's root beer floats. And I love making fun foods for the family. I I don't like calling it bad food because that's, it has such a negative connotation to food. Right. And it puts in a lot of energetic shame, like, especially for children, right. Don't eat bad food. Well, now what I tell my kids is let's save the fun food until after the healing food.
1: Right. Like, does that make sense? What do you think about oh, that? Yeah. I, lo- I love that you said fun food. When you said that fun food, I was like, oh, that's such a great way to encourage. Like we do need to have, you know, the healthy food and let's not like demonize it and call it good and bad. Cause then we take that bad food. And we put it on a pedestal of like, you know, all of a sudden we become enchanted Mm -hmm. with the bad food that we have versus like, we love the good food and we have fun food. I love that you created fun food. Right. And like when we demonize it, it becomes the forbidden
0: apple, right? Right. It just becomes Mm -hmm. that much sexier. Let's not make bad, like Fun, food, sexy. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Let's just keep it at, at fun, right? So anyway, yep. so I was showing people how to make this root beer flow and I got all of these questions and, you know, one of the questions that kind of steamrolled people's trauma, and I do want to use the word trauma around food because when we are embarking on a healing journey, we kind of get overwhelmed with information and that overwhelm leads to stress and that stress can turn into a trigger. And then it kind of like feeds itself. Right. And so, so when I was talking about the ingredients and people were learning new things, they were getting overwhelmed and they were getting triggered. And so I got a question that someone asked, so what's the difference between this keto ice cream and an organic ice cream that just has sugar, cream, and vanilla. So I kind of broke it down like this. And you guys, I do want to get into the difference between alternative healthy foods to organic, okay? So Mm -hmm. what I told everyone online was the first thing I look for in everything is sugar content because there's sugar in everything, and sugar is just super addicting. And I mean, what foods has sugar in it that shouldn't have it in there like ketchup for instance meat like what other foods can you think of that when you think about it you don't think it should have sugar but yet there it is and it's in like high quantity
1: yeah, I think the surprising one with high quantity is sometimes like tomato sauce. Yes. Like one serving of tomato sauce has more sugar than two Oreo cookies, and it's like, does it really? You know, we we don't we don't think of tomato sauce as being high in sugar, but some of oh. them add so much. That's insane. And I mean, like corn dogs, for instance, pizzas. I think a big one too is protein bars. And that's yes. where I see a lot of people going for protein bars and, you know, seeing some of these bars that they're like, well, it's healthy. It's a protein bar. And then when you look like, and it has, you know, 25 grams of sugar, well, a, a normal Snickers bar has 25 grams of sugar. Right. So it may be like you just ate a candy bar, but with some added protein to right. it.
0: Just eat the Snickers, you know,
1: <laughs> like in my mind, I'm just right. like, Oh I,
0: I just go for the Snickers. I'll just drink a protein right. shake later. <laughs> But yeah, like it really, it hides in everything. And the thing is to make sugar, it's so cheap. I mean, our country, our government literally subsidizes sugar. Like we pay taxes so that companies can make sugar for less. How messed up is that? Mm then impoverished people can eat foods that are cheap, but loaded with sugar. And then that makes them more dependent on the system for like medical aid further down the line when the sugar is finally actually breaking down their body and they're getting diseases like arthritis, autoimmune diseases, and type two diabetes, right? Going back to the original question, I always look for sugar content because it's in everything. And did you know that like the average, not the average, women, adult women should only be having about 24 grams of added sugar per day. That's one protein bar, right? That is not a lot. That's two, I think two teaspoons or two tablespoons of sugar, right? Like it's not a lot of added sugar. And yet the average American actually consumes, depending on the study between 90 to 130 grams of sugar per day. So we are, yes. Isn't that insane? Wow. And there's no huge. there's no cap on it. Right. So let me give you an example. Here in Utah, we have really strict laws around alcohol. Right. And probably for good reason, because alcohol is toxic to the liver and it causes drunk drivers. And, it, you know, it like it can be harmful. Right. You know, we regulate seatbelts. We regulate how often people go to school, you know, because in our mind it's for the betterment of everyone. Right. But we don't do that with sugar. We allow people to consume as much sugar as possible without them recognizing it. And it leads to a lifetime of health issues, you know? So Mm. it's not killing you today, but it's going to wreak havoc on your body 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 30 years from now, right? So sugar is just one of those hidden evils that it's the first thing I look for in every single product. I mean, let's talk about health foods, for instance, kombuchas. I mean, Mm -hmm. when last did you see a low sugar kombucha, Gina?
1: They are really hard to find. Usually with kombucha, I like to do a little bit of kombucha, a sparkling water or something just to try to like lighten it up a little bit. Mm -hmm. But kombucha is really tough because some of them, again, yeah, may have 20 to 30 grams of sugar in a bottle. Right. And it's interesting too, because
0: you look at the bottle and it'll say 10 grams of sugar. And you're like, oh, there's only 10 grams of sugar for the whole bottle. No, that's for one serving and there's two servings in there. So it's really 20 grams. So check for the servings and how many servings are in that. Hmm. So that was my first thing that I brought up. So the reason why I used the keto ice cream for Tristan instead of like an organic, like sugar sweetened organic sugar, organic cream, organic vanilla ice cream is because sugar content is actually a lot lower, but yes, they still use yeah. like sugar alcohols, but you know, it's not going to spike his blood glucose. It's not going to wreak havoc on his insulin. And anyways, that's a story for another time. He actually has insulin induced type two diabetes at the moment. And so oh, that, poor guy. I know like oh. steroids are so hard on your body. They're so hard, but anyways, he's managing it great. So yeah. that's what I said. And then the second thing was dairy. And actually I I said in my comments, I said, when it comes to the keto ice cream and this like organic ice cream, I actually prefer the dairy if it was raw and like grass fed because raw Mm -hmm. dairy is not heated. It still has the healthy bacteria in it. You know, like the proteins are not damaged from the overheating. And so like in an ideal world, raw dairy and then organic dairy, right? Mm -hmm. So the keto ice cream didn't win that match. You know, I was like, nah. So, (laughs) and then the last, the third thing that I brought up was keto ice cream. When you look at the ingredients, it has like 20 different things, maybe 15, I don't know. And a lot of these things are thickening agents. They are Mm -hmm. fibers that are actually very sweet. There's one that I can't think of right now that is used a lot. Is it allulose or
1: allulose, yeah. is it
0: out? Like, tell yeah. us about that.
1: Well, allulose is really interesting because it does come, it actually comes from fruit. So it is a natural uh, sweetener that doesn't raise blood sugar. So it does come from fruit. So it's kind of nice that if you don't like the aftertaste that stevia sometimes has a lot of the time with stevia, they have to add erythritol to it because stevia alone doesn't taste very good. Mm, So allulose is kind of nice because it doesn't have that aftertaste. What I found is when I started using allulose or products with allulose in it, I noticed I would get really bad, like really intense sweets cravings. Mm. So even though it wasn't spiking my blood sugar, I just noticed that as soon as I ate anything with allulose, I really wanted like more of it and more sweet. So I don't know if anyone else experiences that, but sometimes I wonder if maybe the mechanism behind that is you're tasting something sweet And so maybe your body is preparing to digest something sweet and raising your blood sugar Mm -hmm. or I'm sorry, not raising your blood sugar, uh, releasing insulin to prepare for that carbohydrate. But the carbohydrate never comes. Right. So maybe your blood sugar drops at that point and triggers a craving. So I can't validate if that's true, if that's an actual mechanism that's happening. But I'm kind of wondering that. You know, I think
0: you're 100% correct on that because you know, we always think digestion happens in the stomach. No, it actually starts as soon as you start to see and smell and touch your food. I've mentioned this in another podcast like when you prep your food, your digestive juices are going. And that is something that we've actually lost in our culture is we put something in a microwave and it's ready, right? Or we go out to eat and it just shows up in front of you. So your brain hasn't had the chance to kind of tell your gut like, "Hey, let's start producing like juices," right? To bring Break down your food. And I'm going to tell you something really interesting. I'm glad you mentioned that Gina, because I personally have a very, very, uh what's the word I'm looking for? A, a very, Intense thermometer, and I'm going to call it a thermometer. It's a sugar thermometer in my body. If I mm-hmm. eat too much sugar, I get a headache. Like, as soon as I get around 30 grams of sugar per day of added sugar, I start getting like this light headache. And I'm like, okay, I went too far. Um, my body's not happy. My inflammation is starting to spike, right? Well, yep. and then when I eat high sugary foods, the headache stays longer. When I eat keto, like sweetened foods with like allulose and xylitol I will still get a headache and I think it's because I think it's because my body is releasing insulin and insulin like in high dose is actually very inflammatory to the body it can cause like organ damage which is another thing I learned while Tristan's going on this type 2 diabetes path but And so I feel like my body personally is very sensitive to insulin. However, if I'm going to, for me personally, pick between the organic ice cream that has 15 to 25 grams of sugar per serving, or if I'm going to pick the keto ice cream that has like three grams of sugar per serving and 10 grams of sugar alcohol, for me, the keto ice cream makes more sense because the backlash is less
1: intense for me. Right. Right. Maybe we should explain a little bit, like what's happening in the body? Because a lot of people are like, okay, you're freaking out about sugar. What about a little bit? What about, you know, where is that threshold? And maybe we should explain what happens in the body when your blood sugar starts to raise and when it like spikes up too much and and what that kind of looks like. So people know, are we talking like, should it be zero sugar? Is it a little bit? Is it moderate amount. Right. And some people handle a lot. You know what I mean? Yes. Dive into it. I want to hear what you have to say. You guys,
0: Gina, we didn't introduce her, but she has yeah. a master's in, is it like human nutrition?
1: Yeah, I have my undergrad in in dietetics and my master's in human nutrition. Thanks. So
0: she's so she's really smart. And most of you probably listened to the podcast that she did with us back in December. But no, she is the science queen. And so do you think you can go into explaining to people what is happening when we're eating sugar? What happens when we eat too much? What
1: happens when we don't eat it with fiber, etc, etc.? Yeah, sure. I I would love to explain this because it can get confusing, especially when people are like, is sugar good or is sugar bad? Is it fine? And when you understand kind of the mechanism of what's happening in your body, you can kind of get a feel for what we're talking about. So your cells use sugar, right? They can use Mm -hmm. them as energy. Your body can use it as energy. Your brain can use it as energy. So whenever you eat sugar or any kind of a carb and it gets digested, what happens is it gets digested into glucose and then that sugar goes into your bloodstream. And ideally your cells, it's hopping on with insulin where insulin is kind of like the key to the lock. It lets it in the cell, right? Some people Mm -hmm. are like, what does insulin have to do with sugar? Well, sugar can't get into the cell unless it has insulin and kind of unlocking that door. Right. So when sugar comes in, ideally we're unlocking the door, the cells are using it and burning it up as energy. And then, you know, minimal harm there. Of course, any kind of digestion of any food does leave some byproducts, but we have to eat, right? So mm-hmm. the problem where the problem comes in is if we get a huge load of sugar at one time, it Overwhelms your bloodstream. So, the analogy that I love is if you've ever seen the episode of I Love Lucy, where there's little chocolates and they're coming down the assembly line. Oh, yes. They're, like, <laughs> they're getting overwhelmed and like they eat one and they're like, oh my gosh. And then like a bunch of them are coming. So, they're just like, they're trying to shove them in their mouth, they're shoving them down their shirt. Yes. So that's kind of what happens in the bloodstream when it gets overwhelmed with too much sugar. All of a sudden it's like, oh my gosh, we're overloaded. Sugar is a sharp molecule. So if there's a lot of sugar in the bloodstream and your cells are not taking it and metabolizing it and using it for energy, you've got a lot of sugar that's floating around in the bloodstream. And over time, this can create teeny tiny like little micro tears in the blood vessels. And so, when we think of, you know, a lot of people demonize like cholesterol as cholesterol being the bad guy, but cholesterol's job is to come in and protect those arteries from any damage, right. just kind of like a nice little band aid. So, sometimes too much sugar is what ends up creating this cholesterol to come in, protect the arteries from any of these tiny little micro tears and creating a little bit of inflammation. Right. So, it makes sense when we see that over time, if blood sugar isn't regulated, you know where diabetics might have issues with those nice tiny little delicate blood vessels, you know, in the eyes and in places where we have these little gentle capillaries and blood vessels where the sugar is kind of creating too much rubbing and, and wear and tear. Right. So and another thing to mention is As much sugar
0: as you have in the bloodstream, your body will try to produce the same amount of insulin. So if you have a lot of sugar being rushed into the bloodstream, your pancreas is going to produce a ton of insulin to match that. And so an insulin has its own issues as well. It's, it serves us, but not when it's in mass, right? Yep. That's why, you know, we're, we're trying to emphasize today why we just need to be mindful of sugar when it comes to, you know, eating it. However, we don't want people to, to freak out, right? Because we're always in choice. And when we recognize the problem, Hey, we have a sugar problem in our country and in our culture and no one's regulating it. Then we have the choice to say, okay, I'm going to regulate it myself for myself and my family. Right. So that it doesn't lead to long-term issues down the line.
1: Exactly. So if you are eating some sugar and and you're active and you know your yes. cells are metabolizing the sugar as it's coming in and your body is keeping up with it like, great. If you're constantly overloading the system and you're getting that assembly line, that's overloaded and your body can't keep up and your body is surging like this insulin to try to put it away and store it and get it, get it out of your body over time that pancreas can start to get a little bit tired or your cells might get a little bit resistant to using that, Mm -hmm. that insulin and that sugar. All of a sudden the key doesn't work as well anymore to bring the sugar into the cell. So when people are like, what is insulin resistance? Well, that's over time. If you have too much sugar, all of a sudden that key doesn't really work as well. Mm -hmm. And then that sugar can stay floating in the bloodstream and you might be eating plenty of sugar, but you're feeling exhausted. Like your, your cells aren't getting the energy that they need to turn that glucose into energy. So you might end up you know, not actually using it as well, as well as you should. So right. the goal is to try to keep glucose coming in as that steady stream that your cells can keep up with right. versus, you know, let's say you eat you know 80 grams at one time and you overload the system and, and you're doing that really often. You get these big blood sugar spikes.
0: Exactly. So I want to circle back to that insulin resistance really fast and then we'll, we'll kind of move on, but this is just, just so important for you guys to understand, right? Because a lot of people Okay, let's go back to like a doctor's office. You go to a doctor's office and they check your fasting blood glucose. And let's say it's like 95. It looks beautiful, right? Do we know how hard your body is working to keep it at 95? Is it in flow and it's not working hard? Or is it like maxing out insulin to keep it at 95. And there's a reason why I asked that question because a lot of the times doctors will not check your insulin levels. And I see this all the time in the blood work that I do where people's blood yep. glucose, their A1C, like it's all beautiful. Yep, normal. And, and their insulin yep. is like through the roof. And I'm like, this yep. is what happens with that insulin resistance and that lock and key mechanism. So insulin resistance is when you use one key to open one door to let one blood glucose go in and that key lock mechanism is not working. So now you bring in another key to shove in the second key and push, 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 push. And now the door is opening, right? So we've used two insulin molecules to get one glucose molecule in. After time, now we're gonna need three insulin molecules to shove, shove, shove that door and that lock and key mechanism so that door can open and glucose can get in. And so that is insulin resistance right there. And so your body is using a lot of insulin to do the job of what one insulin molecule used to do back in the day when your body wasn't so overwhelmed with sugar and that is the problem. And that kind of stuff leads to fatigue, weight gain, inflammation, organ damage, you know, autoimmune issues, you name it. And so did did I explain that? Okay, Gina?
1: (laughs) Absolutely. you're, You're spot on. And I see the same issue where some people have all the signs of blood sugar dysregulation, where they're eating high amounts of carbs throughout the day. And they have like, stubborn belly fat and they're exhausted and all these signs of blood sugar being a little bit off. But then we look at their fasting blood glucose and we look at their hemoglobin A1C and it looks normal. And that's Mm -hmm. just because we're looking at an average, right? We were not seeing like those highs and those lows. We're not seeing the midday spikes and we're not seeing the drops. We're actually just seeing like an average. And so they're like, no, no, no. I keep my blood sugar in check really well. And then it can be eye opening if maybe they had the opportunity to use like a continuous glucose monitor, or they do a finger prick just to check and see where it's at, right. or we just look at their diet and we see that they're actually eating way more sugar than what they had thought they were. Right,
0: right. You know, this concept of sugar is just so tricky because we are not taught it in school. We're not taught it by our doctors. Even there's a book by Ben Bickman. He has a PhD and he wrote a book, I think it's called how we get sick. And it's, all about this. It's all about how sugar is really the poison of our modern day society because we yeah. over consume it. And again, I want to take it back to the trigger, right? I don't want people triggered as they're listening to this. Just informed because when you're informed, then you can make good decisions. I, I know I keep saying this. Let's bring it back to the root beer float. Which one's better? <laughs> the keto ice cream that has less sugar, but more potentially problematic ingredients or the organic ice cream that has more organic sugar, um, but less of the other weird ingredients. You guys, at the end of the day, it depends on how, when you ingest each ice cream, how did your body feel? Right? Because maybe you do have insulin resistance and your body utilizes a lot of insulin to keep your blood sugar stable. Maybe the keto ice cream is better for you. Maybe, you know, You have gut dysbiosis and you have SIBO. And so all that fiber in that keto ice cream is going to make you bloated and gassy and tired. And it's going to like produce an, an entirely different immune response. So maybe the keto ice cream isn't for you. Maybe the organic 15 grams of sugar ice cream is your friend but i want gina to kind of touch on like why we need to get away from these rigid ideas that there's only one perfect food one perfect way like we don't have to be militant about this can you dive a little bit deeper into why this is problematic and how that kind of mentality needs to change in our health culture
1: yeah i love that you brought that up that you said it's really about knowing yourself and your body we're all so different, right? We have different genetics, we have different gut issues, we have different blood sugar levels. Like to just say that every person should be eating this one same way or this one same product or this one same style is crazy. It's so crazy. Yeah. And so I always think about it as like your health is the relationship between you and your body. It's knowing your own body and using this information as ways to navigate that information and try different things and help you dial in what's the best thing for you. Right. But really, kind of seeing yourself as your own research project and your own experiment. Because if we get so lasered in on this is the one and only way, then it kind of puts our health back up into our brains and not trusting what our bodies are telling us. And then we get so fixated on it. And a lot of people will end up finding that something just doesn't work for them, but everyone believes that they should be doing this one thing. Mm -hmm. And then they lose that trust with their body. And they're like, I don't know what to do. Everyone says that I should be doing keto or I should be, you know, vegan or I should be Mm -hmm. this or I should be that, but it's not working for my body. And then they're at this war with their body because Society is telling them that this is the one and only way of eating and their body isn't responding. And so I think that just getting to know your body and being really open to how does my body respond is going to be the best way that you learn how to honor it. You don't get too hung up on, um, I have to eat this way or else there's something wrong Mm -hmm. with me. So I love that that was your conclusion of what you came up to is there's different ways of going about this. What is the right one for your body? And that's where you're mm-hmm. gonna reach like your your best health yes. and the most trust with your body. The one th-
0: and I think I learned this from you, Eugenia. I've started telling clients when they ask me a question about what do I think they should do for their body, I now make them close their eyes and like breathe into their body. And so here's an example. I, I had a, a client yesterday who was asking me about intermittent fasting. And she's like, do you think I should do intermittent fasting? And I said, well, let's do this. Let's have you close your eyes and take a deep breath. And when you think about doing intermittent fasting, how does your body feel around that? Does it
1: feel anxious? Does it feel, that.
0: does it, is there some resistance Or is your body telling you it actually needs food in the morning? And she actually came to the conclusion. She was like, I think I need some food in the morning. And I said, I'm feeling that too. And here's why, because you get the afternoon slump at around one or two, like you need more calories in the morning. Your body's tired. Your body is trying to pull from stores that it doesn't have, you know? And so, so she, she came to that conclusion herself. I could have told her, right. (laughs) But the thing is like, we need to learn this for ourselves because you can't just call up your nutritionist or your doctor on a whim and ask them these questions. Like, I love how you said, like, we need to be our own research project, right? Like keto yeah. isn't for everyone. Right. Autoimmune paleo isn't for everyone, especially athletes. You know, if you if you have an autoimmune issue and you're an athlete, going grain free is going to be really hard because you need yep. some carbs to keep your energy stores going for like the marathons that you're running and you know so we have to really become our own dial our own like thermostat our own thermometer right and yep. figure out what our body is trying to tell us it's not trying to break down on us it's not trying to punish us it It wants to work with us and this is its language.
1: So I love that. How empowering. What an amazing way to empower her and be there like as her resource and her sound science, but to give her a chance to say like, what do you think your body is telling you? I mean, (laughs) I love that. That's so great.
0: Well, and I've griped about this before and I'm going to gripe about it again, but Our health world is so dominated by male health enthusiasts, right? Yep. And these men are telling their male and female platform that everyone should do keto and everyone should do intermittent fasting. And I'm like, that's really nice when you have one hormonal cycle a day. But yeah. when you're a female, you have two going at different times. Like it's not going to work for our bodies. Please stop telling female listeners they need to do intermittent fasting and keto all the time because it could potentially hurt people. Right.
1: So there's well, what's so interesting about that is like self awareness is really your most powerful yes. tool because I have some people that I work with that are like, keto is life changing for me. And my body mm-hmm. feels great on yes. it. And then on the other hand, I have more people than not who get so hung up on like, but the science shows it's going to lower my blood sugar. It's going to help with cravings. It'll help me lose weight, but then they can't stop binging or overeating and they lose control of their food and they end up back to square one, you know, every few days or every week or every month. And it's just, they don't actually heal their bodies until they're like, you know what, when my body's fed a little bit of sugar, even though from a science perspective, I might want my cells primed, you know, with Mm -hmm. keto they actually don't heal until they surrender to that a little bit and just say, you
0: know what? My body is just different. It's just, and that's okay because we all have different genetic predispositions. We all have different gut biome. We all have different, body weights. Like we didn't mention this earlier, but the more adipose tissue you have, the more prone you are to insulin resistance because that adipose tissue actually blocks the insulin receptor sites on the cells, you know? So that's a factor. Like there's so many factors that come into play. Emotions come into play, like stressors come into play, environments come into play. You know, there is not a one size fits all. There's no perfect root beer float. There's none like it is what is good for your body and what's like portion size is good for you. Like I said earlier, when I get my headaches from like the low sugar stuff and the sugary stuff, I just have to be really mindful of my portions. And that's it. You know, I don't, it's not like, oh, well, this is evil. I'm not going to do it. No, like I'm going to live my life and I'm still going to have fun foods, but I'm going to be really mindful of the portion sizes that I do it in. And I've gotten my body to a point where I've healed it so much that I can eat fun foods without terrible repercussions like back in the day. So, so if- now what
1: would you say to people who are still saying, Okay, so what about um some of uh, you know the old school sweeteners, um, non-nutritive sweeteners that maybe some people are still hung up on things like Splenda or Aspartame. Oh. Um what would your advice be for them? Would you say kind of same same concept? A little bit is okay. Where would you give some guidance on that? Because I'm sure there are some people who are still like I, I do. Still see that that there are mm-hmm. some people who are like I just can't quite give up. Right. You know my Splenda or is I, I just got the question a few days ago. You know what do you think about diet soda? Is that okay? Oh, yeah. And so I'd love to hear your perspective. There. So
0: so we do know that Splenda is not only a neurotoxin, but there is research showing that these artificial sweeteners do actually cause gut dysbiosis which right. leads to obesity long term and it also leads to immune system dysfunction and so if someone's like well i only drink one diet coke a day it's i actually did a post on my instagram stories on sodas and the research behind it and why soda is actually not my friend but if you're using splenda like once every other week or something. And it's, you know, and you're using Stevia and you're using like all of these things sparingly. And it's not your crutch for like breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I think everything in small portions is okay. But again, everyone is so different. I don't love the artificial sweeteners. I'm not going to lie, but I, so very sparingly is what I would tell people.
1: What what did you, how did you answer that? (laughs) <laughs> yeah. And I, yeah, right. So I gave the same answer that there's mm-hmm. just so much research supporting things like aspartame affecting the gut microbiome. Yeah. And even though a lot of people are still drinking it because of the zero calories, there's just so much evidence to support that it's mm-hmm. contributing to obesity because of that gut microbiome right. mechanism right. and that there are so many alternatives now, like you had the Zevia and there's so many alternatives that are better than right. aspartame or, or Splenda that I would really strongly encourage people to try and find a better alternative. Exactly.
0: And, and like you mentioned earlier with like the, the keto ice cream, when you eat allulose, it makes you crave more sugar later. This is what a research study actually showed on like the Splenda's and whatnot, is that people that drink the diet sodas, they will actually consume more calories throughout the day versus yep. someone who drinks soda with the sugar in it. So yeah, I so that. So our brain is really like you can't really trick it, right? Like you can't touch and tease its pleasure center and then not pleasure it. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? It's saying where, really funny. where's where's the carbs? You know, like you're telling it in your mouth. Like yes, you're telling it in your mouth. You're like, oh yeah, the, the good stuff's coming. Just you wait. And then your brain's like, ooh, I'm excited now. And then it's like, wait. That's a great analogy. <laughs> wait, where's my fun? Where's my party, you know, and so it's like, yeah. go get some chips, go get
1: some like That's donuts totally and right. ice cream. And then you do. So yeah. And again, like if you have a little bit of allulose or a little bit of monk fruit or sugar alcohols and you're like, it's fine. It satisfied mm-hmm. my palate and I'm good. I move on with the day. Great. Yes. For me, I know like I try to I try to not use it that much because right. I just notice that I get worse sweets cravings yeah. and If I didn't have it or if I probably would have just had sugar. Right. So
0: I use it very sparingly. So here's a little bit of TMI for listeners. I'm so sorry you're gonna hear this. But when Uh I eat um Lakanto like chocolate, because it's actually sweetened with they say it's monk fruit, but it's actually mostly mostly erythritol. Um it's it's mostly a sugar alcohol. It triggers UTIs in me every single time. Really? That yes. Is so interesting. Yes. So I can't touch them anymore. Like no more. And what I did one day, and this is really terrible. You guys, I was having a very stressful week and I bought like their bag of the, their white chocolate chips. I ate that entire bag in two days. And ever since, every time I touch their food now, I get a UTI. So,
1: that is so interesting. So
0: I don't think sugar alcohols are perfect. I do not. I think we all interact with these sweeteners very differently and we do not have enough research telling us or guaranteeing us that their effect and their interaction with our microbiome is actually is not problematic. We we don't know that yet. So we have to Mm be our own experimental like Right. Experiment on ourselves. How do we feel? Do we get symptoms? Do we get bloated? Do we get gassy? Do we have skin outbreaks? You know, it's like we just have to be really mindful. And and that's that's the key to all this mindfulness. Right. Be mindful about how you interact with your food. Be mindful of the ingredients. Don't stress about it
1: just be mindful. Right. And just, yeah. And I think that that's actually a really good place to start that people don't realize that if they're having bloating or gut issues, or they're not really looking at the types of sweeteners that they're putting in, whether it's a sugar alcohol or something else. And sometimes it's often, it's not uncommon that they can trigger gut issues. So sometimes it's a good place to start that if Mm -hmm. you're having gut issues, like try eliminating, check your food. You know, do you have erythritol or molotol or sorbitol right. that might be causing some issues there? Exactly.
0: And another thing that you guys can do as well is a very pleasurable food is fat. So if you're doing low sugar, high fat, something like I often find like with my, with either my coffee or my Rasa, I like to do like half and half Or like something that's very creamy and it's so pleasurable and satiating. We had back in the 90s, we did low fat, high sugar crap, right? And it's because we had to load food with sugar because we didn't have the pleasure from the fat. So if you just like try to add more fat to your stuff you know, you might find that you're just as satiated as when you used to eat high sugar. However, I do want to share that I actually saw some labs yesterday where someone's cholesterol was 313. And this is like the first time where I'm like, you need to actually watch your fat intake you know, like mm-hmm. you need to be mindful, of right? We, and again, bio-individuality, you guys. This is why we need to research ourselves. Maybe get some blood work done, you know, see where you're at. What is your baseline right now? And then fine-tune instead of like feeling lost in the dark, you know, like- The best thing we could ever do for ourselves is learn more about ourselves in a very kind and gentle manner. More knowledge is power, right? And so instead of trying to guess or guesstimate, like just do some testing. Absolutely. So... And you guys I actually am back in the clinic. I am doing BCAs again and I'm training my nice. other counselors to do BCAs. So hopefully like our issue in the past is like people have just had to wait for like a month or two. And so things are starting to open up now that my calendar is opening up. So just FYI if you guys are like, "Well, we can't get in." Try and call the office and see if you can get in and like let's let's figure you out, right? Like it's it's so I don't want to say it's easy, but it, it can be like, if you just know a little bit of information here, here, and here now, you're going to save yourself so many issues down
1: the line. Right. Well, it's so empowering too. I I have had quite a few people who, I think it's, it's not uncommon to be intimidated by getting our labs done. Right. I have a lot, like for me, I'm like, Oh, labs are like getting a gift on Christmas morning. I like, know I love data. <laughs> I love labs. Like, right? When I was working with people, you know, a lot more seeing them in office Sometimes we would have a husband come in and he'd be like, For my wife's birthday, I wanna get her all these lab panels and 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 I'd be like, Wow, that's so nice. Like I wish a man would buy me a bunch of lab panels. (laughs) Don't get me flowers. (laughs) Give me lab panels. I love but, it. but I do know on the flip side, there are a lot of people who do not feel like their labs are a birthday gift. They're quite terrified by it. Yeah. And there's just something about knowing that is really scary. But when they cross that threshold and they know, regardless of whether their numbers come out in range or their way out of range, they have like this huge sigh of relief of like, mm-hmm. oh, it feels so good to not wonder like how well does my body handle my blood sugar? How, you know, what is the status of my health? How is my cholesterol doing and really knowing their numbers. And regardless of what their numbers turn out to be, they feel so much more empowered. Like, okay, I know what my body needs. I know what I need to do. And there's it, just, you let go of so much right. worry and anxiousness around not knowing. Right.
0: There is also an elephant in the room in our health world where we, I think, have used the C word cancer to, as trauma, you know, like everyone is scared. and And this happens a lot when I look at people's labs and they'll ask me at the end, do you see any signs of cancer? Oh. I think this is everyone's like, not everyone's, maybe I'm projecting, but this is a lot of people's core fear is because, you know, we hear statistics like one in two people are going to get cancer in their lifetime. That is scary, right? That can be very scary. And so like, I want listeners right now to maybe check themselves and ask themselves, am I traumatized? Like, did I get, did I pick up trauma along this pathway, right? Along this healing journey? Because if you have, and if you are trying to heal yourself through a trauma response, it's not going to happen right? Like if you find that right. there's the resistance with learning more about your blood work, doing more testing, like we need to get to the bottom of that trauma. We need to be mindful of it and release it so that it doesn't have power over you anymore. Right? Because I truly do believe that that the universe is working for you and not against you. But when we're stuck in trauma, it can often feel like the universe is working against you. Let's not Let's not stay there anymore, you guys. Like let's face this head on. And part of me wonders too, like because I was so scared of cancer. Did I put out information through that lens? And I hope I didn't. I hope I didn't traumatize people while I was healing my trauma. And if I did, I want to apologize right now, right? Because Mm. no one should ever make lifestyle changes from a place of fear. It should Mm, always come from a place of love, right?
1: Janik, have you heard of the book, uh, the biology of belief? Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. That's wonderful. Isn't it? I have mentioned that
0: book. Like I think eight times on the podcast, if this is like the first episode you've ever listened to you guys buy that book, get the audiobook, get it now because it's so beautiful. Can you tell listeners what it's about?
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't want to minimize all the different, you know, mechanisms of cancer and disease development. You know, there, there's, so much there's so much to it that's more than just this one book but what's so beautiful about this book is they break down the science of how our beliefs influence our physical body yeah. so everything in order for our cells to be able to change our physical body we have to have first a signaling molecule that binds onto a receptor and then that signals to your body yeah. to start changing you know our body's proteins and making different things and so, for example, let's, one of the examples that the author uses is, you know, when, you're, when you feel cold air, that mm-hmm. is like the signal that binds on to like your skin receptors and then your skin actually changes shape. You get right. goosebumps, you know, you start shivering, like your physical body changes based on that sensory input. Or let's say you start thinking about food. You know, you're not actually eating food, but if you start thinking about food, that's signaling and then that's actually creating a change in your body. You start salivating. Um, Another example he uses is he says, when you think about sex, Mm -hmm. (laughs) the body starts changing, right? Exactly. So we we can have so many sources of proof that our thoughts can actually change our physical body. And in the same way happening with disease manifestation, that right. if we believe that there is a disease, how that can actually change ourselves and our physical body. Right, right. I, I truly believe that
0: we as a society, oh my gosh, now I'm going all woo-woo. Okay, <laughs> can I, I'm going to back up, right? Because a lot of people that actually get cancer actually have to go through a lot of shame first mm. because they feel like they did something to get cancer i if you are a cancer listener you have done nothing wrong if anything mm. you are a kind sweet soul in a very violent world and so i mentioned this in my stories back in january my my downloads on cancer is you know cancer is literally a a cell that had to mutate in order to survive its harsh surroundings, right? Think of someone who because I think of my Tristan, right? And he's just this sweet, kind, gentle soul. He always has been, but he has gotten these really toxic messages from the world that made him feel less than, right? And that stuff mm. that he is processing and trying to heal. But he had to mutate who he was to his core in order to survive all of this like programming from the world. Right. And it hurt him very deeply. And so I know this is getting very personal and not sciencey, but I truly believe that. And cancer statistics are a message to us as a society that we are failing each other right? If people are still getting cancer, it's because we are not healing ourselves. We are not loving ourselves. We're not loving our communities. And so in the sense of energy, that's the energetic output that we are putting into our universe and into each other, right? When we heal that energy, we will start to see cancer declining. But this is our gauge right now. This is our thermostat. And that was my download with thinking about cancer. So you guys, with that being said, Thank you for listening. Gina, thank you for co-hosting with me today. You are just wonderful. And you guys, a few things. Gina, you have a, a thing called mastering mindfulness. Can you tell people a little bit about that?
1: Oh, I do. Mastering mindfulness has been such an amazing way to help people connect with their bodies and their food and and use that innate wisdom that they have as their guide. So sometimes when we're trying to dial in, like you said, I know what my tipping point is with too much sugar. Mm -hmm. They're actually practicing to connect with their bodies and their food to be more in control over their food so that if they do want to eat sugar or they do want to eat some food, it's not that the food is taking over and then they can't stop eating. They're the ones that are feeling in control and connected with their food and their body. So yeah, that. thanks for, for bringing that up. It yeah. kind of goes in well with the the sugar discussion.
0: Exactly. If that is something that resonates with you guys and you're like, I want to master mindfulness around food and eating, how can mm-hmm. people find this course?
1: Yeah, there's some more information on my website on GinaWorfel.com. You'll see some more information about the program there. They can always reach out to me directly with any questions and Perfect. see if it's the right fit for them. I'm trying to remember,
0: I should have written this down, but people know I'm very unorganized. Was there a discount, like a code?
1: Do you remember? Oh, so for the, um, yes. Yeah. So for, I have a smaller course called Conquering Cravings, which oh, is kind of an introduction. Great. Yeah, great point. So that was an introduction to getting really confident with just cravings in particular. Mm-hmm. So that is like a, you know, you can go through the materials. It's about four hours of materials where you can work and do the skills to get really confident when sugar cravings come up. And then okay. you can identify like, what cravings do I have? How do I get in control? And you start practicing the skills and that they can use the code gutsy
0: gutsy Okay.
1: for a discount for that it's kind of like a spotlight course. It's a self-study at home love it. spotlight course. Um, mastering mindfulness is a three month. It's a signature coaching program where we're actually working one-to-one or one and with a group together where you're getting more long-term guidance of really mastering your food and your body. I love that. That's awesome. And you guys, there's also the gutsy health
0: membership too. Like if you are just learning about health and wellness and you're listening to this podcast and you're like, this feels overwhelming. There's so much to understand. The gutsy health membership like it is fantastic if you go to mygutsyhealth.com and sign up you learn about the breakdown of your foods you learn you get like pantry lists you you become an expert at understanding carbohydrates and how they break down in your body fats how they break down in your body proteins how they break down in your body you become your own nutrition expert plus there's the zoom calls on wednesday where you either talk with myself or gina or another health expert and you bring your questions to us and it, we learn in this like group setting, and it's really beautiful because it's so empowering and so important for us to learn the lingo of our health and our bodies so that you're not hemorrhaging money over time, trying to figure out how to heal yourself. Only you can be the expert at you. It doesn't matter how many people you pay for blood work, how many people you pay for consults. If you do the work for yourself, healing yourself over the rest of your life is going to be easy. And so the Gutsy Health membership is a great platform to learn the basics so that you can start doing some, like some problem solving around your own healing journey and becoming your own expert. So mastering mindfulness, conquering cravings, the Gutsy Health membership, we'll put links in, in the show notes, but those are some really great um, resources for you guys to get started. Okay.
1: And that's yep. It. Thanks for thanks for all of that. The, and I just want to say the member site is such a cool option that you have because you can pull in so much value into one member site that all these courses individually. Oh my gosh, you would be spending and astronomically high amount by doing all these things individually. Right. And then you pull it into into one resource, which is so valuable um, to be able to have access to that. So I think it's great. I loved being on your member call too. And we just like, we're going and going, answering everybody's questions was
0: It was really beautiful. People can get personal support. Right. And like, and you know, sometimes there's weeks where people are like crying because we're just processing so many beautiful things in a group setting it's like group therapy you know around food and around healing and it's it's really it's such a beautiful it's my baby i love the membership and and i don't know if i can like sneak peek this but gina is actually helping me create Mm. more content for the guts health membership so there's going to be a part one and part two and the part two is going to be the order of healing and it's going to be classes on okay what you need to heal first, what you need to heal second, what you need to heal third. And it's going to take you down this roadmap on how to problem solve your own healing journey so you don't have to use doctors to micromanage it for you. You are your own doctor. But you can't, so there you go. So you guys, thank you so much. We're so excited for things that are like, there's fun things happening this year, you guys. And this is, I think the first podcast being released in 2021. I don't know what's going on. Do we call this like season 10, Gina? because it feels like it feels like <laughs> it feels yeah. like this has been going on forever. So, you guys, thanks for checking in. Until next time, and hopefully we'll get episodes rolling for you guys weekly. Don't hold me to that because life's a little chaotic, but we will try to get back in the game because we love you and we love education and we appreciate your support so so much. So, until next time.
1: Bye. Bye.